I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to CMO Moves. I'm Heidi Palermo, head of community here at Adweek. And today I am joined by Sophie Bambuck, CMO of Everlane. Sophie, hi, welcome. Hi, thanks, Heidi. <laughs> and I know I butchered your last name. So please, how do you say it the right way? <laughs> so the proper way of saying it is Bambuck. But you know, we're in the US, everybody says Bambuck, and that's so fun. I got used to it. It's <laughs> I got beautiful. Used to people. What's the origin? So it's actually, my family is from Africa. There used to be a part of Africa called Senegambia, and there was a river basically called um, the Bambuk River, and uh, there were actually silver mines there. And so my family was, I guess, a, tr- a tribe um, from there until we were, you know, shipped like many others uh, to the Caribbean, actually, to Guadeloupe. But you, you grew up in France, right? I did, I did. So I'm from born and raised right outside of Paris. I grew up there. And then, you know, after high school, I decided to leave for the U.S., but my family is still in France. Awesome. And you're now in Portland, right? I am. I am Portland, Oregon. And what brought you to Portland? Nike. Nike's based out here. I still live very close to the Nike campus um, near, near Beaverton. I moved out there when I first started working for Nike almost 14 years ago. And we just really enjoy it. It's such a great place to live. And until, uh, until we're all working from home, 
I want to enjoy the open spaces of, of Oregon for a little bit. Yeah, Oregon is beautiful. I love it out there. It is. You just started as the CMO of Everlane last month, right? Yes, it's exactly 30 days, actually. Oh, my goodness. How, how are you feeling? I feel good. You know, I mean, like every new role, um, there's days where I feel like I've been there 10 years. And then there's days where I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm just starting and I don't know anything. <laughs> so <laughs> it's um, usual, usual amount of both comfort and discomfort. It's great. And, and when we think about the journey to that role, even tell us a little bit about what made you want to take on this role. I know you've spent a lot of time with Nike. What made you want to take this on? Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a lot of things going to kind of the decision to leave such a powerhouse as Nike. But I think I felt that I was ready to see what I was worth outside. I just wanted to be able to, you know, place a bet on myself and see what I could do. But I also wanted to do it somewhere where I felt like I could have a positive impact on culture. I have two young daughters and uh, one very important thing for me is to make sure that I live up to what I'm teaching and what kind of people I want them to be. I've been a fan of Everlane since Everlane started. I love what the brand stands for. I love the vision. Being ethical or today is a must have, but I think back then when Everlane started, it wasn't necessarily something that brands were necessarily considering as, as a must have in their um in their business ambition and in their mission. So everything was always, you know, part of my everyday um, in terms of how I would dress and what I liked, but I never really thought I would end up working there. It's really just when I started thinking about, okay, well, do I, if I leave Nike, if I leave such a big company, do I want to go to another big corporation? And the reality is, although it felt safe, it didn't feel like as much of a challenge. And I didn't feel like I could make such as much of a positive impact. And being impactful and be able to, I believe in sharing your power. When you have power, uh, everybody has power. Um, it's really about what you do with it. And I feel like at Everlane, I can actually do something very positive with it. And so once I started also talking to the people, I realized that's who I wanted to work with every day. But yeah, it was very, like impact was very important. And what to do with, um, with the power that I have as a person, as an individual, mm-hmm. uh, as a, and as a marketer. Um, it's, it felt like a great challenge to go into. And, and did you always see yourself becoming CMO one day? Was that always part of your plan? No, um, no. <laughs> I can't tell um, you the number of times on CMO moves we've heard the answer to that is no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, honestly, until I went to do my MBA, I didn't even know what brand management was or what marketing really was. Um, I come, my dad is an advertiser, so I knew the world of advertising, but I didn't know what it was like on the corporate side or on the brand side. I didn't know what any of those things were called. I just knew that I wanted to tell stories Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to make people feel something because, you know, I love sports. I love music. I grew up like, you know, that emotional connection you get from those things. I wanted to find a way to do that, knowing that I was neither a top athlete or a musician (laughs) or an artist, you know? Um, So I knew I wanted to go into marketing, but I, you know, CMO, Ultimately, it's just a title. For a lot of companies, it's the ultimate marketing job. But, you know, it's, uh, yes, do I want to be the best at my craft? Yes, for sure. If that means that the title is CMO, great. That's what the title is today. It might be a different title tomorrow. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've been talking, I know before we started even recording you and I were just talking about the starting a new role remotely and how this is, it's not just a point in time. It feels like it's going to be that way for a while for many Um, and, and both onboarding yourself, getting acclimated and then probably building a team. How has that been like for you? Um, Well, first you'll have to ask my team in about three months, how I did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, You know, it's, there's no, there's really no rule book um, to follow. So I'm going with guts. I mean, most of the things I do is guts anyway. The hardest part for me is like, it's the in-between. You know, when you're in the office and you have a meeting, you can kind of tell what's happening in between people's reaction, how they walk in the hallway. They look at each other funny, you know, uh, do they smirk to each other in a meeting? You know, like just little things that tells you whether you're doing right <laughs> well or not. Right. You don't really get that um, in this virtual world. And so you basically have to find a way to fill that space, that in-between space. And so I just ask for feedback. Um, I ask for, I just communicate, I probably over-communicate. I'm just trying to observe as many meetings as I can. I try to not make too many decisions just yet because I'm not going to get the context as quickly. Mm -hmm. It's finding new ways of listening. It's finding new ways of being there for the team because it's also figuring out how to do one-on-ones. So you're in all those meetings, you're onboarding, you're trying to understand the brand and the company, but you're also trying to get to know the teams and understand what they need, what their needs are. Um, And there are some immediate needs. You have to also hire at the same time. And how do you onboard those people who are just brand new into the company when you yourself are have been remote this whole time? It's hard from a corporate culture standpoint, you know, explaining the culture is the hardest part. And so you basically have to repeat yourself a lot, a lot, a lot. You have to make sure that um, there's a consistency so people understand what the priorities are and what truly what the brand is about. I feel like we're all in this uncharted territory I mean, there's people who like my husband has been working from home for 10 years almost. He's he's like, like he's welcome to the club, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> he's a pro at it. And I'm just like, why are you so loud? Am I loud? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I I have to ask you, 30 days in, you're in the midst of onboarding yourself, getting to know your team, getting to know your counterparts at the executive level. Meanwhile, running a brand, what are you diving into now at the start that you're super excited about from a brand perspective? Oh my gosh, there's so much opportunity. I think Everlane is so meaningful. Um, And I don't mean just what Everlane stands for. I mean, it literally, there's an emotional connection to the brand that people have and the employees, like the team's feel it there everybody who has joined everlane has joined because they feel something towards it's not a job no one is joining everlane because it's another job um so my first priority is to make sure um that i don't disrupt that but that i emphasize it i think right now there's a major opportunity to make the outside match the inside Mm. i don't know if on the outside you're seeing the passion and the emotion that i'm seeing inside so Um, My priority very much is one to kind of reset and um, uh, re-expose the identity of Everlane. And then number two is very much team. I know normally I should probably put my onboarding and my assimilation uh, first. I feel like like many women, we don't put ourselves necessarily first. I think 
right now I'm looking at, uh, I, want, I want the team to feel good. I want the team to understand um, that what they do every day is so important. And I just want the world to understand what Everlane's about, like that passion that we all feel. I want everybody to feel it. And so that's my priority. Um, and the beauty is we're starting from a really good spot where mm-hmm. the beauty, beauty is that people already, you know, the affinity towards the brand is, is quite high. So, um, well, that makes my job easier. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but that's number one, resetting that identity and making sure the world gets to know kind of like what Everlane is about. I, I know um, it just depends on the company and the brand, but it's either it's one or the other, either you're trying to get the outside to be reflected on the inside culture or vice versa. So yeah. it's interesting to hear that um, from your perspective. So what do you think makes that passion for the brand so strong, that affinity? Where is it coming from? Um, I think uh, it, it, it comes originally from, you know, Everling was built a little bit as a, response to something that again was not necessarily positive in the world right the apparel industry you know it was everything was almost built as a reaction Um, it was about being ethical it was about making sure that if we want if we care about people if we care about humans that means we actually have to do things differently so that we don't pollute so that we don't you know so there's there's a much deeper reason to be that people really connect with. And so people have grown with it for the past 10 years. And I think now it's really an effort of making the brand relevant to a newer generation who cares even more mm-hmm. about everything that Everlane stands for, even more than the generation who's already adopting Everlane. So yeah. um, that's where the fun part comes in. It's like, there's a Gen Z consumer that might not be aware of Everlane, but that is so in line with the thinking. And that is already, you know, super socially like conscious and aware and active. And they just need to discover the brand and discover the product and, you know, make the choice. Yeah. We just announced this past week, we just formed a sustainability council. Nadine is co-chairing that with P&G's Mark Pritchard. And we have just a a great group of people on that. And it's just so fascinating to see. I think last year, the word of the year for marketers may have been like pivot or something along those lines, which we all got so tired of hearing come December. And now it seems like sustainability is just so top of mind. And it's you know, to have a brand that's been built um, that way. How are you thinking about that from a brand and a marketing perspective? It's a good question, which we dig into daily. (laughs) The first question being, uh, what is sustainability? I think the word itself has been a little co-opted, right? It means means whatever people want it to mean in that particular moment. I think uh, the definition itself is not necessarily what people are, necessarily doing for us it it was always about um that's why i go back to the word ethical the intent was to do right uh where others might do wrong um or might go wrong i think that intent is still there and so the way we think about that from a marketing standpoint is it's a hundred percent part of the narrative it is how we do things it's not necessarily a marketable topic it's part of who we are as a brand and it's part of our DNA. I actually would say that Everlane thinks so much about it being part of the DNA that I think in the past few years, we've actually stopped talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's a, 
third bullet uh, in you know a, a, a product copy um, because it's so inherent. It's no right. longer like, oh yeah, let's push this forward. It's like, of course we're doing it. Should we really be marketing it? I'm kind of coming in and I'm still assessing, but I'm kind of suggesting that we do need to push it forward a little bit more, but not as a, um, a marketing scheme or a marketing tool. It's more that it's an attribute of our method of making in our product that consumers care about and should know when they actually buy the product. I see it less as a marketing tactic and more as a definition of our brand mm-hmm. um, because that's how we've been doing it from the beginning. And to go back to you and, and just your career, you know, you mentioned um, storytelling being something yes. super important to you. Do you see any major shifts in the impact storytelling can have with this past year? And I, I asked that in the context of just the increased transparency of how much closer brands are to consumers now. It's like that middle wall has kind of come down. Yeah. We're seeing brands a lot more up close and personal. There's a lot more forgiveness from consumers. How do you think storytelling is going to fit into that moving forward? Yeah, I think there's a fine line between being the consumer uh, and being aspirational. And by that, I mean, um, I still don't believe that consumers necessarily want a reflection of themselves. They still want to be able to dream. They still want to be able to, you know, have a forward path. They need to understand where they could go. Um, I think the difference is that where before it felt, certain things felt completely unachievable. So some brands just went so far in the aspiration that you lost the consumer. Mm-hmm. because they couldn't see themselves so the fine line is really how do you stay aspirational in your narrative in your storytelling in your imagery and concepts while still being relevant and be able to have an immediate connection and, and give something that the consumer gamer can grasp uh, and and take everything is more transparent because of social media because of access you know you can see everything you want to see mm-hmm. behind the scene and see how the campaign was shot you, it's probably online so that part of the dream has gone away but ultimately you still want that beautiful that beautiful narration that beautiful film that beautiful image that allows you to dream mostly now there is a risk that the pendulum swings too too much and that we go too real um we have to bring some element of aspiration while still being approachable and where do you where do you find inspiration for yourself that's a good question. I'm quite curious. So first I read a ton and I read a little bit of everything. <laughs> I read really boring well, things. Listeners will follow up with Sophie's uh, best book recommendations. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> We're always getting asked for book recos, marketing or really? not. If you have any book recommendations, yes, always. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I'll, you know, I'll read like the business books. I'm right now reading Good Company. Um, and I'm just... But at the same time, I'll read like fiction, like, a, like this, this writer that I love, who's just like brilliant. If I could write, I would want to write like him. But I'm, I'm, where do I find inspiration? I think in everyday things, I spend a lot of time um, just browsing. I'm on the internet a ton. I'm on Instagram a ton. I talk to people. I look at what my friends do. I, I spend a lot of time looking at what my peers do. I don't think ideas come from one person ever. Ideas are... Yeah, collaborative, and they can come from so many places. But yeah, I, you know, and my time today, I wish I had more time to, you know, be curious and creative. I, most of the time, I'm <laughs> cooking lunch for my kids. And 
Hey, you can find inspiration in making That's lunch. True. That's me. true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. It happens. <laughs> and Sophie, just back to your journey to CMO, yeah. you know, what mentors have had an impact on you that you can remember? Oh, I, I don't think, I don't think I have a path without my mentors. Mentors to me are, they're not necessarily people that know my day-to-day business. They're not people that, there's been a few, but it's mostly people that kind of help me see the whole um, and give me perspective. I've been really lucky to have people that have wanted to guide me and wanted to give me advice over the years. And I feel like I've learned something for every single one of them. And I hope I can be a mentor like I've been mentored. But it is about understanding what kind of relationship you want to have and what you want to get out of people. And so this mentor that I have um, was a former boss of mine in Europe, uh, Edgar uh, Jorison. Like he's somebody who actually explained to me uh, the value of diversity. And by that, by the way, I don't mean diversity in gender or, or race, diversity of thought. He actually explained to me um, the value of not hiring myself and the value of understanding where everybody comes from and the different perspective and how you can see one thing, but you will see it differently than I will see it and you will understand it differently. Um, and those are things that I keep in mind. He also explained to me to be like, to be successful, you need to be a point guard. He's a major basketball head. So he explained to me, I didn't know what a point guard was, to be honest. Um, so I had to actually understand that, but be able to think ahead, not being the one that needs to score, but being the one that actually positions your teammates so that they can actually score or so that they can actually get us to the finish line. Like enterprise thinking, you know, I, I mean, I mean, David Schreiber is the first person who took a bet on me. He's now the CMO at Masterclass, but like, he didn't have to hire me at Nike. Like I had not proven myself. I'd done nothing, you know, um, took a gamble, decided to hire me at Nike uh, and has been a mentor ever since somebody that I, you know, I run everything by him uh, before I make, before I make a decision, I'm usually checking, is this the right call? Um, gut check. You got to have your gut check people. You need to have the gut check. <laughs> you need to have the gut check. Like, and there's also, you know, you have people that can really advise you from a work standpoint. And then I have people that can advise me from a human standpoint. Somebody like Simon Pestridge, who same thing, worked at Nike, but like there's a few times where he actually helped me make a decision based on me versus based on the best career progression. Right. And it always ended up being the right choice. Um, So anyway, the value of mentorship, I can't even, and there's mentor and there's sponsorship. Mm -hmm. I believe in mentorship. Um, Sponsorship helps you grow and, you know, get the right entrances and networks, but mentorship really helps you grow as a person and I really hope someday I can be a mentor you know to that degree (laughs) I haven't I haven't really been given to do that to that extent um but I I aspire I feel like that's the ultimate uh, measure of success when you can actually uh inspire and guide somebody um, absolutely and what you just mentioned on feeling like somebody took a chance on you so when you think about you being a CMO today, building your own team, how do you think about talent in that way? What do you look for? What skills are are critical for you? Yeah, I look for complementarity. Like I look for people that can be in a room and add value to the conversation 
like I said, like, I don't believe ideas come from one place. And I'm also really bad at hierarchy. I usually don't know what people's job titles are more because I kind of choose not to know. I really care much more about what's in people's brains. And so I, I want people in the room to be able to work with others. And I don't like bringing in politics into the room. I don't like bringing negative vibes into the room. And I'm not saying everybody has bad days, but in general, I try to bring people that can uh, complement each other, either through their way of thinking, their skill set, their background. Um, so I try to look at the whole. I rarely just look at one person and their skill set in terms of like them fixing a problem. I want to make sure there's no longevity in that. Um, so I want to make sure that people can work together um, to solve problems together as much as possible. Are there any skills you think are going to be mission critical for marketers moving forward? What I'm realizing is a lot of marketers end up isolating themselves, meaning they just do marketing. And I think the value of marketing, the true value of marketing is when you can insert yourself in the business strategy. And too often, marketers just see them like business on one side and storytelling, narration, creation, culture on the other they have to work together. And the mistake that I think some marketers make is to close themselves off to the business side and to the strategy side. I actually see the value of a marketer is to come into an organization and be able to inform the whole, right? Strategically, marketing, I mean, mostly when you're consumer-centric, it really can influence and impact the direction of a company it should not be seen in as isolated function or isolated art form. It belongs in the strategy. So the one thing I'd say is to stay open-minded and, and not every marketing, by the way, is done the same way. You know, at Nike, marketing doesn't have Excel sheets. So I grew up without looking at the numbers necessarily. I, because I have a personal interest in it, um, I started looking into it and, and kind of educating myself about it. But it wasn't a requirement when I was growing up on, on the marketing side. And so um, I didn't necessarily understand the importance of it until I dug into it. And really, when you start understanding how impactful marketing can be uh, on the long-term strategy, you realize that you should be in the conversation. Um, I'd say that's the biggest thing that over time I've realized that you actually need to be in the strategic conversation. I feel like a lot of marketers might not, like you mentioned, it might not be inherent for their brand to be integrated that much, but you can always get oh, involved. Course. You can always learn more. What other tips that you've maybe picked up that you can pass on to other marketers on they're really wanting to get closer to the business and grow their career to be CMO one day. What would you recommend? Pick people, not jobs. <laughs> I realized that I don't know when exactly I started doing that, but it's never at some point it stopped being about the job, the job description or the job title. It became about the people that I was going to be learning from and working with, because that's really the best way to actually do what we just said and learn. So if you really are connecting with like, I don't know, a business leader and you want to learn, go do that. You know, your ascension or your progression does not have to be linear. And actually having experienced and done and touched different things uh, and worked with a variety of people is, is a huge value add for you, right? So 
picking people that can help round out and you know build your skill set and your knowledge, I think is essential. For me, that's a big one. I feel like people go after the job titles way too often. I see it constantly. I mean, I see it on my team. You know, people mm-hmm. just want to hire job titles. Like, well, yeah, but you want to do the same job with a higher job title. You're not going to learn anything. You're just going to have a nicer job title. Think long game. Think about you know how you're growing as a person. I think like ultimately know your craft. You know, you need to also. I mentioned staying curious because I think it's on the foundation of everything I'm saying. Everything I'm saying just requires you to have an open mind and, and staying and, and, you know, um, trying new things. But if you stay curious, you will understand that marketing is evolving. Marketing evolves so fast. I mean, I know we say industries change. Marketing changes life. You know, it's every month there's something new. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time you have a new platform, you have to rethink the way you're going to communicate with a consumer. Like you're constantly evolving, even if the foundation is the same. Um, the tactics and the tools change, so you constantly have to uh, reinvent a little bit yourself and reinvent your approach. So you have to really know your craft. You have to know um, what marketing is. Um, I feel like too often people act like marketing is a new thing. Marketing wasn't invented with Instagram ads. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, you talk to so many people who just think that the ideas are revolutionary and everything is new and it's not. And everything is recycled. It's just re, re-skinned. Right. Um, but- we, we do talk a lot of, we talk a lot about that in terms of innovation. Like what does true innovation yeah. look like? Is there anything innovative on the forefront just kind of for for our industry as a whole anything you're seeing out there that has you really excited excited I don't know curious again I'm sorry (laughs) use that word all the time there's just stuff again it's not new but like there's stuff like clubhouse there's stuff like Mm -hmm. there's stuff that are coming up and I'm like it has a role yeah it will have a role it's really chaotic right now there's stuff like that that I'm like there's obviously a need for it uh, people are craving this kind of like community space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a few of those that are popping up that I'm like, okay. And some of them will be trends, but some right. of them, they're representative of something bigger. You know, I take aside the actual clubhouse um, app or, or system. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about what it does, I think it's really interesting. LinkedIn, you know, it's funny because when LinkedIn used to be this, just like a job platform, and then suddenly it evolved into this community and this thing that, I mean, there's LinkedIn celebrities, you know, (laughs) I have some friends who are like major LinkedIn celebrities and I'm just like, oh my God, how did that happen? How did this happen? (laughs) And so there's some of those movements that I find incredible and amazing. And like, I just you know, want to grasp and understand what to do with it. Not everything is relevant for everyone. Um, Absolutely. Well, you'll have to join me on Clubhouse so we can experiment together because I just did my first Clubhouse. Toby Daniels, our um, chief innovation officer, invited me. It was really fun. It was good. It was really, yeah. So we'll have, you'll have to come join me one time. And you're right. It's, it's that sense of community. It's what it represents. The staying power. We'll see. We'll see. But It was really fun and I could definitely see the need and just the ability to talk to people we wouldn't otherwise have the chance to and get questions answered live in real time and not have to worry about your hair and makeup. That was the added benefit (laughs) 
audio only all the way. I know. So good. (laughs) Well, great. Sophie, I, I, I have one more question for you that we can't let you off the hook without answering. And that's, of course, if you were not a CMO today and talent and money were of no object, you could have all of it in the world. What would you be doing? Now that you said that talent was no object, <laughs> we have to throw that. Thank in. you, thank you for that. I always thought that being a National Geographic reporter would be amazing. Going to places in the world that no one else will see, and just, oh, like my sister's a journalist, and she does a lot of those things. She goes to places where I know I will never go in my life. And I'm so jealous and just doing that for National Geographic and taking amazing photos and that'd be amazing. Yeah. So where do you, where (laughs) do you have your nature travel fix now since we can't really do much of that? Is there any place like that inspires you? So you're going to laugh or maybe not. Um, So we, um, we've been uh, renting an RV um, since COVID uh, RV trips um and I'm not the RV I'm the I'm the hotel with by the beach person yeah. <laughs> but like we're, we're doing RV trips and we've done like we've done Oregon we went down to California That's went amazing. To yeah we just do you know and with the kids the kids love it and it's it's a good way also to avoid people. We literally can spend a couple of weeks and not see anyone and but still be in nature. Yeah, I need to try this. We had the um the co-founder and CMO of Outdoorsy, the oh. RV rental company, come speak at Challenger Brands. And um, I had never heard of it before. And I was just fascinated. It's like the Airbnb of yeah. for RVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. I need to jump on that. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> RV trips. And and thank you for all the great advice, Sophie. It was so nice talking to you. I wish you the best of luck. I do want to check in with you in a couple months, see how your first 90 days went. (laughs) And um, any other tips you can share with our community, always welcome those. But thank you. Best of luck and can't wait to see what else you do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.